Well, I want to welcome you here this morning. Like I say, we can look around and see we're still shy. We've got people still on the road. We've got people still doing Thanksgiving. Uh, so maybe next Sunday they'll all get to where they can be back. And uh, so anyway, uh, like Tommy said, I want to thank everybody for all your hard work of coming up and decorating the church and uh, I understand the kids did most of the work. Amen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, let's give the kids here a big thank you. They did the fellowship hall over here all by themselves. Helped in here. Matter of fact, I think they were telling the adults what to do. They said, no, this is how Santa Claus would do it. So... But anyway, thank y'all so much, and thank you kids for being up here and being a part of everything and everything, for helping take up the offering. That's uh, y'all really showing a lot of interest in your church, because one of these days, you're going to be the head of this church. And so, I'm looking forward to when all these kids really come of age to do more. And uh, I want to thank the band this morning. They really sounded good. Uh, and a couple of the songs they did had a whole lot to do with what my sermon's going to be about. This morning I want to talk about the rapture of the church. That is the next thing on the timeline of the end times. And nothing else has to happen while we are in this church right now, Jesus Christ could come back. All he's waiting to do is for his father to tell him, go get my people. That's all he's waiting on. And whether y'all realize or not, the rapture also has a lot to do with the Jewish wedding. The rapture. In the Jewish wedding, the bride does not know, which that's us, we're, we're the bride of Christ, we're the church, the bride does not know when the groom, which is Jesus, is coming back to get It's a surprise to her. She just has to be ready. Just like the church has to be ready. And there's a scripture in the Bible that we quote, and I've got it in here in, in my uh, notes and stuff that I will talk about in a little bit. But it says that God, that the broom, excuse me, the broom, the groom prepares the house that the groom and the bride will live in. He, he prepares it for his bride. And in this scripture, we'll read it in a minute. It's in, it's in John, the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 3. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the groom's always ready. I'm going to go get my bride. Father, I want to go get my bride. But he can't do it. Why? The father has to inspect the house first. The father makes sure everything is in order. Everything is right before the bride comes to live in it. 
God's checking out your mansion right now. He's checking out your mansion right now. So when, when the groom comes, everything is ready. We, we instantly, automatically go right into the house that has been prepared for us. But you know, there's many people ask a question. They say, they ask, is the rapture biblical? Is that in the Bible? Yes. Now the word rapture itself is not. The rapture is not in there. But rapture means catching away or snatching away. That's what rapture is. And that's what the Bible says. There shall be a catching away of the church. We just call it rapture. But the Bible says, and depending on, on, on which uh, version of the Bible you read, some, some say catching away, some say snatching away, whatever. But it's Jesus coming back and getting his church and taking them out of here. That's what it amounts to. And uh, at the rapture, the dead in Christ will rise back to life. Your family, your friends, your loved ones that are still, their body is still in the grave. Their spirit is not. If they know the Lord Jesus Christ, their spirit is not there. And I'm going to show that to you in a minute. You know, even Paul said to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. The moment this body dies, our spirit leaves this body and goes to one of two places. It either goes to heaven which I hope that's where all of us are going to go, or it goes to hell. That's the only two choices there are. That's why you have to make a choice right now. While you're still here, because you cannot make it after you have died. The choice has to be made now. But the Spirit goes to be with the Lord Jesus. And when Jesus comes back for His church... Those spirits that are now in the, excuse me, the body that are in the grave, Christ will rise them up out of the grave. The spirits that are in heaven is going to come back with him, with Jesus, when he comes back, and they will re-enter their bodies. Their body then will be transformed. And it will be transformed into what they call a glorified body. That's going to be a body just exactly like Christ had when he was resurrected from the grave. And I'm going to show that to you in a minute. But I'm just kind of telling you now what the rapture is. It is going to happen. Well, Bill, how do we know it's going to happen? Because Jesus said he was coming back. He said he was. If he said he was, then he is. Don't doubt him. Believe and be ready for him when he does come back. And the Bible tells us that in, the, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, that the believer will be caught up in the clouds, the believer will be caught up in the clouds <coughs> to meet Christ in the air and they shall be with him forever. We will be caught up from this earth. The Lord does not come to the earth himself. He never sets foot on the earth when he comes back to get his church. He's in the clouds. The next time he comes back, he will set his feet on the earth and it will be on the Mount of Olives 
And the moment his feet touches that Mount of Olives, that mountain will split. When he comes back, that will be his second coming. A lot of people say, you know, when he's coming back out of church, that's his second coming. No, because he does not come back to earth. He comes back in the clouds. He remains in the clouds. He remains in the air. We are called up to what? Meet him in the air, in the clouds, and be with him forevermore. We're called up to him. So there's a difference between the second coming and the rapture. The second coming, Christ comes and he sets foot on earth. You know, and the thing about this is the world itself will not know that Christ has come back. They'll never see him in the rapture. They will not see him. What they will do though, they will miss a bunch of family. They will miss a bunch of friends because they're no longer going to be here. But the unbeliever, the unsaved, the ones who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will remain here on earth and they will never know that Jesus Christ came back until he comes back a second time. But the believer will be taken out of here. And Jesus, it says here, Jesus will meet his saints in the air and all the unbelievers, those who do not believe, will be left behind to go through the wrath of God or the tribulation. You know, that tribulation is going to be a terrible, terrible experience to go through. Even the Bible says, for, the, for this tribulation, it will be an experience that, that the earth has never seen, has never known, or will never know again. That's how bad it's going to be. God is going to pour out His wrath in his anger. Yes, God gets angry. He's going to pour out his wrath in his anger for all those who did not believe in his son, did not believe in his death, did not believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them. They have doubted him. They have not accepted him. They've laughed at him. They've spit on him. They've scorned him. They're going through the rapture. They're going through God's wrath. They're going to go, they're going to see what God's anger can be. And it says that a man does not want to be called, caught up by an angry God. We can just only imagine what it's going to be like. Just reading of all the turmoil, the tragedy, the heartache, the pain, the suffering that those left behind are going to go through. And you know, the thing about it is, not one single person has to go through it. Amen. Not one single person has to go through it. What you do is you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, that Jesus Christ is who He says He is. He is the Son of the living God. And you do that, you've got a home in heaven. You don't do it and you don't believe in him, you're going to have a home in hell for all eternity. That's just about, you know, I know it's, it, it sounds terrible, but that's what the Bible says. 
when we stand before the great white throne judgment, the Lamb's book of life is opened up. If your name is not in that book, it says, then you are cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. In other words, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what it amounts to. When you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. When we do that, automatically your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And we're lucky today because there's still a lot of empty pages in that book. There's still room for our name. You just have to ask for it to be put in there and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus will meet his saints in the air when he comes back and all the unbelievers will be left behind to go through the tribulation or the wrath of God. And that period is going to last for seven years. Seven years that you're going to go through the anger of God. Matter of fact, I want to read about six verses right now. It talks about the rapture. It talks about what takes place. It tells us about the rapture. This is Paul explaining to the Thessalonian people. See, false teachers had come in and they had told the Thessalonians that the rapture had done taken place. False teachers, liars, false prophets. And Paul's going to get it all straightened out to them, to the church. He's talking to the brethren. That's what he calls us, brethren, brother. My brother in Christ. And he's going to tell them, no, the rapture has not taken place. It has not happened yet. But I want to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you how the rapture is going to take place. I want to tell you what to expect. And then when he starts out here, here in verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, Paul is telling us what's going to happen. Now Paul wrote about three-fourths of the New Testament. God used Paul in a mighty, mighty way. And Paul is telling these Thessalonians what is going to happen. He says, no, the rapture has not happened. And here in verse 13 he says, but I would not have you be ignorant or I would not have you be uninformed. I want you to know what's happening, what's going to happen, what's going to take place. He says, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Those of their friends or loved ones who have, who have died and they're in the grave right now. That you saw not as others which have no hope. These people, their friends, their Christian brother, still have a hope. You still have a hope through Jesus Christ. He says, now here's what I want to, here's what I want to show you where the saints come back with Christ. In verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, that is the spirit of those who have died. That sleep in Jesus. They're in heaven. 
with Jesus, God will bring back with him. That's the spirits. That's those that have already died and the spirits have gone to heaven. He is now coming back to raise those out of the grave. And these spirits are coming back with them to rejoin their bodies. You say, well, what about cremation? How does that work? Were you not made from dust? That is no problem for God. Matter of fact, in the Bible it says, for the dust shall return to the dust from which it came, but the Spirit shall return back to God who gave it. God created us from dust. He has no problem, again, taking that dust and turning it back into man. We got to think, well, we serve an awful, awful, powerful God. How did He create the world? God said, and He spoke. He simply speaks the Word. That's how powerful your God is. He simply speaks the Word, and it happens. It takes place. Whatever He speaks. This is no big deal for God. Something very minor. Something very minor for God to take care of. And then here in verse 15 it says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. I'm, ta- I'm saying this to you because this is what the Lord said to me to tell you. We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not proceed or shall not go before them which are asleep or those which are in the grave. The ones in the grave are going to rise first and be reunited with their spirit. Then we who are still alive are then called up to heaven. Whenever those spirits come back and rejoin their body, That body is what I said a while ago. It is what we call a glorified body. It's the body just like Christ had when He was resurrected. When we are called up, and just think about that, you don't even have to die. It says that many, and I'll show it to you in a minute, that many do not sleep before He comes back. There's going to be a number of them still awake. It says that we shall not precede them with sleep, but that are still in the grave. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. This is verse 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. That shout is a command. What does he do? What does he say? Rise up. What did Jesus say to Lazarus? When Lazarus was in the, in the tomb, Lazarus was dead, and he was in the tomb. And Jesus come, and he stood at that tomb, and he said something. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of that tomb. Same thing. He simply calls to us. It says, 
For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, or a command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. He's talking about those in the grave. The dead in Christ. Then we, who are still alive, then we which are alive and remain, we're still here when he comes back, and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Those that had died that he's already called, we shall be called up and meet them in the air to be with Christ. So shall we ever be with the Lord forever. Forever. And then here in verse 18 he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There is still hope. You still have hope. If we do what the Lord Jesus told us to do before He comes back, we still have hope. There is hope beyond the grave if you know Jesus Christ. You know, the rapture, we've been that's what we're talking about here, will take place in an instant. A lot of people think, man, all this here and raising up all the people, boy, that's going to take forever. That's going to take forever. How's nobody else going to see this? How's nobody else going to know? I don't know, you know. But do you know how long it takes? you know how long it takes for this to happen? For the dead in Christ to rise? For us who are still here to be caught up and to be joined with, with the Lord in there? How long is this going to take? It tells us for it shall happen in the twinkling of an eye. A twinkling of an eye is nothing but a blink. That's how fast it's going to happen. You're going to be there the next time you know before you even know what's happening. You're going to be in heaven. You're going to be in heaven. It takes place in an instant. I'm going to read you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 through 52. And it kind of talks about what I was saying a while ago. Now this I say, brethren, we're still, this is Paul still talking. Now this I say, brethren, or my brother in Christ, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We, in our present condition, flesh and blood, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Our body is corrupt. It can't get to heaven in the shape it's in right now. It says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we shall be changed we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's how quick that God's going to change us. That's how quick. And at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible without sin. Without sin. 
and we shall be changed. Your body's going to be changed instantaneously into that same body that Christ had when he was resurrected. That incorruptible body. Of course, Christ never had sin. But he did. He At one time, he was flesh and blood. He became a man just like us when he walked this earth. But when Christ was resurrected, he also was changed. He had that... Remember, whenever Mary came to him at the tomb and was going to touch him and say something, do not touch me, for I have not been glorified yet. He hadn't been changed. He hadn't been changed. Here, when Christ is resurrected, he comes up, out, he walks out of his tomb, he is immediately changed and has a glorified body. Remember when he went to see the disciples in the upper room? They had the door locked, hiding. What happened? How did Jesus get in there? They wouldn't open the door. They didn't know who it was. How did Jesus get in there? He simply materialized through the door and went in and presented himself to the disciples. They couldn't believe it was Jesus. Well, you're dead. There is no way that, that, that whenever Thomas heard this, he said, no, I'll never believe that he's alive. Not until I can put my finger in his, in his, nail, in his nail pierced hands. Until I can put my hand into his spear pierced side. Until I see where that thorn was around his head. Next time Jesus showed up to the disciples, Oh, Doubting Thomas was there. Doubting Thomas. Jesus simply walks over to Thomas. He says, Thomas, put your finger in my pants. Put your hand in my side here where the spear pierced me. You know what Thomas did? Thomas had to see before he would believe. When he saw that, he fell down before Jesus. My Lord, my God. He knew who Jesus was. What does it say? For more blessed is he that believes and has not seen than he that has seen. More blessed are you who, who, who can believe in their heart without actually having to see it. Thomas showed us. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. You know, I, I can just see Jesus shaking his head. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. After all we've been through, after all you've seen, and you still can't believe. Well, when Thomas did believe, though, Thomas believed. Thomas became a very stout, a very devout disciple. But more blessed is he who can believe and not see. Can you believe what God's Word is saying without it actually having to be proved to you? It's been proved and proved all through the Bible. Why can't we believe God's Word? 
and who Jesus is, who God is, without having to show me a sign. Show me a sign. <clears throat> Some of the signs you see, you may not want to see. Yes, the trumpet shall sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. We shall have the glorified body. It's what Christ had. <clears throat> At this point in time of the rapture, the church is in heaven. Christ has come for His bride, the church. He has taken us to heaven. Everything is ready. Everything is ready for you. The moment you get to heaven, your mansion is completed. Your mansion is ready. I told you about a scripture. We use it a lot of times. I know I do at a funeral. But I, you know, I think this here, this John 14, 1 through 3, I think that may be a person's only private and special rapture of God. Because when they die, they're going to the same place we do when we are raptured. They just get there before we do. Listen to what it says here in John 14, 1 through 3. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He's telling them, okay, I'm going to have to leave you for a while. I'm going to have to go back to heaven. I got some things I got to do. As Jesus looks at his disciples, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that you may be where I am also. He's telling them, I'm going to go prepare your place. It's going to be fixed. And, that's, and where I am, there you may be also with me for all eternity. That's what that scripture is. That scripture is about Jesus talking to the disciples. He's talking this here. He's talking to them about the rapture. Hey, I'm coming back for you. That's what he's doing in the rapture. He's coming back for us to take us to be where he's at forevermore. And like we said a while ago, only the believers will see Christ. The unbelievers will not see him. But they're sure going to miss a lot of family and loved ones when they disappear. Here in 1 John 3, 2, it said, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. We're not seeing this yet. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We shall be like Him. We shall have that glorified body. And we shall have eternal life forever and ever and ever and ever. It will never end. You can go on and on with forever, forever, and you'll never get to the end of it. And that's what I was saying a while ago. The rapture could happen at any moment. Nothing has to take place. Nothing has to be completed 
for Jesus to come back. That's the next thing to happen in these end times is for Jesus to come back for his church. Take us out of here. Matter of fact, in Revelations 3.3, it says, Remember therefore how you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore you shall not watch, shall not watch, if you shall not be ready for Christ's return, I will come on you as a thief, and you shall not know what hour I will come upon you. He said, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know when I'm coming back. Just think about it. I've said it. If you knew when a thief was coming, you'd be ready for him. You wouldn't let him break into your house. You would be ready. Jesus, I'm coming back as a thief and you do not know when I'm coming back. But if you want to protect yourself, be ready when I come back. And you'll be swept into heaven. If not, you will go through the wrath of God. You'll go through His anger for a period of seven years. And I've had many people ask, does the rapture happen before the tribulation? Does the rapture take place before the tribulation? Yes. We are out of here before... After the third chapter of Revelations, you do not see anything about the church again. Why? Simply because the church is not here. We are in heaven. You don't see anything about the church until later on in the Revelations. And then it shows we're in heaven. The rapture, <coughs> excuse me, the rapture happens before the tribulation. The believer in Jesus Christ will be raptured. Just think about something. Jesus gave instructions for everything, didn't he? Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus give the Christian instructions of what to do in the tribulation. Why? We're not going to be here. We're not going to be here. We're going to be in heaven. But Jesus has gave instructions for everything that needs to be done. But he gave no instructions to the Christian about going through the tribulation what to do. We don't think about that. If the church is to go through the tribulation there would be instructions and warnings of some sort of what to do. But there isn't. There is no instructions. We don't need instructions to go through the tribulation. Because you're not going through the tribulation. You're going to be in heaven. Just think about something. We are not now waiting upon Christ to come for us. We're not waiting on the Antichrist and we're not waiting on God's wrath. We're waiting on Christ to come back and get us out of here. Paul says believers will not suffer the wrath and we know that during the tribulation God will pour out His wrath upon the whole earth. He says we shall not suffer God's wrath. In 1 Thessalonians 5.9 
I know you're thinking, well, where does it say we're not going to, we're not going to have or not know about God's wrath? That we're not going to suffer through it? Fix and show you right here in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. He has not appointed the Christian, his, his child, to go through wrath. We've been faithful. We've served him. We've honored him. Now why would he make you go through a tribulation? The ones going through the tribulation are those that did not believe, those that did not serve him, those that laughed at him, those that laughed at his son, those that did not believe. And I guarantee you one thing, when that tribulation starts, they're going to be hitting their knees on that ground and saying, Lord, I believe now. Lord, I believe. He said, well, we'll talk about it in seven years. They're going to go through it. They're going to go through it. Jesus says he would deliver Christians from the hour of trial or the hour of wrath, the hour of temptation. He is saying he will keep us from the tribulation. Revelation 3.10, another scripture. Because you have kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you from the hour of temptation, from the hour of tribulation, from the hour of trials. I will keep you from that, which shall come upon the entire world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Let me ask you something. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, you believe in Him, you're honoring Him, and you're serving Him, don't worry about going through the tribulation. Don't worry about you're going to have to go through all that. That tribulation is... I, I, let me tell you something. Go over in the book of Revelations and there's two events that are going to happen. Well, actually three. But there's the two I'd like for you to read. One of them is the bowls or the vials It's scary of what's going to take place, of how things on this earth are going to change, how all your fresh waters and everything are going to turn into blood. What are you going to drink? It says that if you take the mark of the beast. Now this is only for those who take the mark of the beast. It says, for these great sores shall rise upon you. You shall suffer immense pain. It'd be like these, I don't know if you, any of you have ever had one or not, but have you ever had a boil? Very, very painful. And they can get pretty good size. They got a big head on them. They fester up. Very, very painful. He said, for those who take the mark of the beast, these shall come up on them. Just the ones that take the mark of the beast. That is how God is so against this mark. And whether you realize or not, I think right now we are kind of in the precursor of that mark. What do you mean, Bill? If you do not take the mark of the beast, you cannot buy, sell, trade, or do anything. What do you see going on with this vaccine? 
if you do not take this vaccine, you will be fired. You will not have a job. How are you going to support your family? You're seeing so much stuff tying in right now. I think, I think the Antichrist is here right now. I do. I honestly believe the Antichrist is here. We were looking on Google. This Bill Gates has got a number of the patents on this vaccine. One of the richest men in the world. Making more and more money. You know what Bill Gates, his patent numbers, you know what they are? This may surprise you. His patent number on those vaccines are 060606. That's what they're telling us. What is the number of the Antichrist? 666. That's the number of man. Just give you something to think about. Do a little research. Look at what they're telling you. How they're forcing you into doing things. Yeah, if you don't take it, you won't have a job. You'll be fired. How are you going to take care of your family? You're seeing exactly what it's going to be like when you take the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast will either be on your right hand or on your forehead. They think it's going to be a number, kind of like a barcode. You walk up to the counter. The checker picks up her little scanner, scans your hand or your forehead to see if you've got a mark. If you've got the mark, hey, welcome to my store. You can buy and I can sell. If there is no mark, I'm sorry, you'll have to leave. I cannot sell you anything. You cannot buy nothing in this store. Just think about it. Our government is bringing this on because they want control of all of us. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I didn't charge you anything for that last part. But it's something to truly think about. And I'm just going to ask you, if you're here today and you have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, time is getting closer. We don't know when He's coming back, but it's a whole lot quicker now than it was the other day. It's getting closer and closer and closer. Are you ready? If He comes back, will you be called up to meet Him in the clouds? Or will you remain here on earth to go through? the great tribulation. See, this is a decision you have to make right now before He comes back. If you've never accepted Christ, don't keep waiting. Because we do not know the hour which He shall return. We don't know it. The only thing we can do is be ready. I'm going to ask the band just to play. If you have not accepted Christ, Please, think about it in your heart. Pray about it. we got altars here you can come to. I'm going to be down front, and I'll be glad to pray with you. If you're going through something, I'll be glad to pray with you.
So I'm going to ask the band to play. And if you have a need today, or if you haven't accepted Christ, this would certainly be a good day to do it. You might not make it home today. We don't know.